Welcome to Beyond the Lab, a podcast where we talk about people, ideas, and insights in the science industry. So today our guest is Livia, a former biotechnology student who found her passion in the sea turtle conservation. She is currently pursuing a Master's of Science in Zoology and is a sea turtle laboratory in-house researcher at the Taras Resort in Redang Island. So thank you so much for joining me, Livia. Hello, so, Julian. Thank you for having me. No worries. So basically, like I said just now, you're from biotech and then you turn like sea turtle conservation, right? So what's the story behind that? The story behind it is actually full of self-discovery and decision-making. Because back then, I never thought that I would work with sea turtle conservation and research. Mm-hmm. I uh, started with, I realized that I have no passion uh, sitting in the lab and doing lab work. I wanted to be outside. So that's how I uh, realized that I wanted to try conservation. So the first step was I sent my internship application to Sabah, to a wildlife conservation uh, organization where they actually let me have a very first experience that I get to set my foot into forest and start to collect samples from wildlife like rodents and bats. So that was a very uh, eye-opening experience and that was the uh, moment that I realized that uh, the connection between human, wildlife and environmental health. So after I complete the uh, internship in Sabah, I come back to uh, Kuala Lumpur, I start to looking for a job at uh, environmental conservation. And one of the applications I sent out is actually to see the third research unit. And that's how I started uh, to take this master. Uh, initially, my intention was never to start a master degree, but that was my ticket to conservation, so I took up the offer. Oh, just like that, huh? So what yeah, is scary, just like taking up the master's? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, it was out of my expectation, but uh, I, I feel really grateful that I, I managed to complete the whole master degree. So I... I passed my work, so yeah, that's why I now I officially working with C C right now. Oh, so right now you're actually done with your master's, is it? Yes, yes. I oh, okay, I so congrats, uh, oh my god. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> yeah. But how was the learning curve, like the transition from like biotech to working with turtles? Because in a lab, right, for biotech, right, because I'm from biotech as well, we work a lot with like pipettes and microorganisms, very micro molecular skill yeah. skills, right? But mm. when sea turtle is like mm. with life marine life and how was the transition like it was never easy on me uh like you see we all studied things that we cannot see with our naked yeah. eyes everything is microscopic but suddenly out of nowhere i need to deal with something really big and 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 reptiles animals so uh i started from scratch i learned sea turtles from the really basic like how many species around the world and how many species we can find in Malaysia. I start from the really, really basic one. And because I do not have any marine related background or knowledge, so I need to really read a lot of articles to understand the ecosystem, how sea turtles play a role in the marine uh, food web and all. So it was not easy. And the thing is, when I came to Trenganu, I, I had a mission too. Like you, like you just mentioned just now, I need to set up a turtle lab at the resort at Redang Island. So that was also one of the challenge for me because no one has done this before in Citru, not even my supervisor. And uh, I just need to go there and start to explore again and learn from the scratch as well. So every time when I think back how I started everything, I always give myself a pat on my back like, oh my God, you did a really good job. <laughs> so 
you mentioned like an open turtle lab, right? And we'll get to that a bit later, but just so okay. the audience know, what's your day-to-day -day like as a researcher? Because you don't spend all day in the lab, right? What else do you do? Uh, yeah, so working as a researcher in turtle lab is a little bit different from the, the other researcher. So first of all, uh, I need to, you know, get my research ongoing all the time, I need to manage it. And at the same time, I need to uh, be ready that there are people come into the lab and start asking questions about sea turtles. So I need to attend to the guests since the lab is located in the resort. So people will be curious about sea turtles. They see, hey, there's some things inside the lab, there's sea turtle eggs, why? So they will come into the lab and start asking questions. So from that also, that's how I learned to communicate science with the other people that don't have science background. Other than that, uh, I also need to host hatching release. So it's an event that uh, we release this baby turtle that hatched from the lab together with the uh, the others, like the guests, so they get to uh, release by themselves. And also that was the chance that for us to educate them about sea turtles and what are the do and don'ts if you encounter a sea turtle in the wild. And then uh, sometimes in every Tuesday and Thursday, we do have requests from the guests from the resort saying that they wanted to receive our turtle sanctuary. So I will be the one who guide them to the turtle sanctuary, introduce them uh, the history of our uh, Chaka Hotang turtle sanctuary, and also uh, what do we do in the day, etc. So uh, a lot of uh, communications between uh, the guests, the resort uh, operators, and, and many other stakeholders. So actually, the when I'm working in a turtle lab, I spend 30% of my time doing my research, and 50% of my time, almost half of my time, to talk to people. And then another 20% will be the really boring paperwork. So oh, yeah. researchers do it. That, that, <laughs> no that matter like every how. job. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So like since you're on the topic, right, and you mentioned you, you talk to the public a lot. And how how is the experience like like you know trying to make very complex science into very simple terms so that your guests can understand? Mm. How is it like for you? Uh it was at the beginning, it was really awkward to me. I mean, uh I can talk to people, but when it comes to science, want to put it into a simple way for them to understand is definitely a challenge. We need to learn uh, about uh, public education and also environmental education. So uh, I still remember the first time when I looked at guests and I just started into that, I, I, I couldn't talk. I did not know how to start the conversation. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, so how should I start? Uh, should I tell, oh, here is a secret, let's look. Like, it was really awkward. Like, you look at me, I look at you. Yeah. But slowly, um, because people keep coming in, you just have to deal with it. So from that, I actually can't uh, start to observe people's behavior. Like some people that come in really lost, like where am I right now? So that kind of people, I need to tell them, oh, you are in the lab and what is the lab? Mm -hmm. And there are people like coming in really excited and they do right, they will write, if they will run to the, you know, the, the glass aquarium and look at the baby turtles. That's how I start my story. So I will tell them, oh, so this baby turtle just, just had yesterday. So that keep uh, attract people's attention on what you're going to tell uh, the next moment. Okay, since we talk a lot about the, you know, the open turtle lab, and since, mm. just for context, what is actually an open turtle lab? Like what is a laboratory, but how is it like compared to like a conventional laboratory? Okay, so I don't have a picture to, to yeah. show you how it looks like, <laughs> yeah. but I can imagine an aquarium. So uh, the whole lab is made out of glass panel. So it's transparent. You basically can see through the glass panel and 
observe what is happening inside. So they get to see my experiment set up, the really complex experiment set up, and then they get to see something really cute, which is the uh, sea turtle egg. And they can see there's something moving in the sea turtle egg, which is the baby turtle. They're trying to come out from the eggshells. So Ooh. it was a really slow process. So they will be really excited every day. They will just drop by my lab to see how is the baby turtle doing? Has it come out or not? So that's, that is the open concept. So we want to let people to be one step closer to lab and then uh, not scared about science because when we talk about science, people just like, oh my God, boring and then rocket yeah. science cannot understand. Okay. But once they see something like this, a live baby turtle trying to hatch from the eggshell, it's actually get their attention and they start to curious about science. So that is the uh, the whole purpose of us setting up Turtle Lab in a resort, not in a campus, not in somewhere really private, but we make it really public. They can uh, learn about science from us and then they also can you know, uh, get some knowledge about the on-ground conservation work when, when we are interacting with the guests. Mm. How's the journey like? Because you played a big role in like setting up the Open Turtle Lab, right? How's the journey like from like setting up and then figuring out what equipment to buy, drafting procedures, and then all the way to like meeting the first guest that came in? How's the journey like for you? The journey uh, is really exciting for me because uh, from the very beginning, we are just a bunch of biologists know nothing about uh, education and also um, uh, tourism industry. Because this lab is located in a resort, so the first step is actually the communication between us and the resort management. How do we fit in their operation and also what is the expectation on us? So the lot, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of conversation that actually we need both sides, the researcher and the resort operator to come to a mutual understanding. So that was the first thing that we need to sort out. The second thing is how do we present lab in a very presentable way? So when I step into the lab, it's an empty space. So we start to planning the layout. Okay, where do I play this experiment setup? And then uh, how do I uh, make it in, in a really interesting way, not like a really boring setup? So I still remember the first comment that we get is, this is not presentable in five-star resort. Can you redo? So at that moment, it's really, uh, I, I, I feel very helpful because it's my experiment. I spent so much time and you commented it's not presentable. But that's how it is. Uh, I, we, we learn to compromise. We learn to do a little bit of uh, modification. And Turtle Lab has been here for three years. So the first year until today, almost 50% like we keep modifying uh, in the process. So uh, the journey is really, uh, how to say, you really need to go through it, then only you get to understand, oh, this is how it looks like and how to work with the tourism industry. How are you guys settled on the Taras Resort, actually? Is there a story behind it or you guys were working together for a long time already? Uh, actually, with Taras Resort, is, uh, the, we had a really long history. So it was started with when uh, Chaga Hutang Tutu Century, which is the turtle century that we are managing, uh, helping the state government to manage. That time, uh, Chaga Hutang is not even a turtle century, it's just a beach with a lot of turtle landing and nesting. So that time, the, the first generation of team leader for Sea Troop, she actually bought the eggs from the egg collector. And Taras, back then it's not called Taras, but that resort actually uh, gave us some funding to buy the eggs from the egg collector. So the relationship started with that. 
Then after that, we couldn't get funding from uh, them anymore. That was because of the uh, national crisis. On uh, they, they couldn't fund us anymore. So it, uh, the, the relationship stopped for a while, quite, quite a while actually, until uh, 2018. Yes, I would say 2018, um, the owner of the resort actually uh, contacted uh, our third generation of team leader. So they wanted to have something you know, related about total conservation at their resort. And then the, the idea of Turtle Lab coming out. So they wanted to, to have a Turtle Lab in their resort so that their guests get to learn about sea turtles uh, during their vacation and not just sunburn, you know, and mm. get tanned, but then they get, they get to bring some knowledge back to their home. Yeah. So that's how the Turtle Lab came out. And then uh, I was appointed as one of the in-house researchers and studies from scratch. <laughs> mm. So that's, that's how it starts. Mm. Was it nerve-wracking? I would imagine, right, because I went in lab sometimes and then whenever my friends like stare at me, right, or like my, my lab assistants stare at me, right, I'll get a bit nervous while doing my lab work. Do you get that when guests stare at you while you're doing research? I get that a lot. <laughs> and at the very beginning, I feel very stressed because I literally working in a career, everybody's watching me. Yeah. And then whatever I do, people can see. So it was quite a stressful time at the very beginning. And then... I just get used to it. Uh, you want to see, see lah. And then, it, I even will like, from the glass panel, I will like, give them some hand signal. Oh, come in, you know, let me talk to you about see turtles. I start to enjoy it. And yeah, that, that, that's quite fun actually, after that. <laughs> so what kind of research do you do in the turtle lab? Oh, uh, my research is uh, dealing with the very cute baby turtles. So uh, my samples is actually all these uh, cute babies. So I actually... Uh, oh, I didn't mention. So actually, Turtle Lab is really close to our Turtle Sanctuary. It's only uh, 15 minutes away by boat. So from Turtle Lab, I get to travel to the Turtle Sanctuary and collect the turtle eggs. And then I will move these eggs to my lab. So what I do in the lab is I have this uh, artificial nest chamber. It simulates the natural nest. So it's a hole and uh, 30 centimeter in diameter. So I put all these uh, eggs into the chamber and fill it up with sand. So just try to simulate uh, the nest, but not exactly 100% the same as the natural nest. But the thing is, my research is to uh, for me to study their nest escaping period. So all the eggs that I get is actually, they are going to hatch very soon. It's all about to hatch. And then when they hatch from the eggs, Actually, they take about seven to 10 days to escape the nest, which is about 60 or 80 centimeter deep in the, in the wild. And then they, that period, when they're trying to escape from the nest, it really take a really long time, like I say, uh, uh, seven to even seven, seven to 10 days and above. So in this slowing, uh, very slow process, they are actually consuming energy. So I get questions like, um, you know, what do they do in the sand? Uh, they, their mother is not around, so what they eat, how they survive in the sand. So they actually depends on themselves, where they have this uh, pinkish yolk attached at their stomach here. It's like a source of energy for them. So they're absorbing these nutrients. At the same time, they, they are trying to escape from the nest. So my study is to um, see how much energy they consume. And the leftover energy will be the those energy that have to, to cross a, crawl across the beach and also go to the sea. So how much they left after they escaped the nest? Because uh, this energy will be their uh, survival key. Like 
if, imagine if the baby that has used up all the energy when they come out for the nest, they wouldn't have energy to crawl across the beach and go to the sea yeah. and then they would got eaten by the, the other people. Yeah, so if they have a lot of energy, it means that we have higher chance to survive in a while. So that's how all my study, I, I do this in the lab with these babies in the nest chamber and measuring their energy. So for your findings, right, is it purely like knowledge-based or do you actually have like an end product or like a solution to, to your findings towards your project? Yeah, uh, so after I have done this for two years in Turtle Lab, I found out that uh, these baby turtles, they will spend less time to escape the nest and less energy to dig out of the nest if they are incubated in a core sand. So in, uh, at our beach, if you notice, we will step on some really soft and fine sand and some are really rocky and coarse mm. sand. So all these sands, they have different grain size. And in my research, I have this fine and coarse sand, not the very coarse one, but coarse. So yeah. uh, then they spend less time to get out of the nest and less energy. And why is it significant to, uh, to us to know this? Because if they have spent less energy to escape the nest, it means they have more energy to, uh, to survive in the out, uh, outside when they go to the deep ocean. So they have more energy to escape from predators uh, from, the, from the sky, in the water, or yeah. on the mainland. Because they are really fit, they can move really, really fast. Mm -hmm. So this is actually trying to tell the hatchery manager. So sand subtract, grain, sand, uh, grain size of sand, also one of the factors that we should consider when we do build a hatchery. So we should we mm -hmm. probably should build hatchery with coarse sand so that we produce hatchlings that have more energy and with more mm -hmm. quality, not the mm -hmm. really weak. Yeah, so that is actually targeting to improve our hatchery management. And I think just, just briefly, right, just out of curiosity also, what kind of techniques or like procedures do you apply in your research experience? Uh, in my research, I keep on mentioning about measuring energy. So how do I measure energy? That is uh, the major part of my experiment. Actually, I'm using a technique called open flow recipe raw metric. So it's a closed system of uh, airflow. So I pump in oxygen into my artificial nest chamber and these babies that are sitting in the nest, they will consume the, the air which contains uh, oxygen. So at the end of the day, I also have another tube uh, flowing out from the nest chamber that will be the remaining oxygen that we can consume. So uh, this will be uh, turned into figures, a lot of figures, a lot of mathematics that hmm. finally get me the energy value. So I don't want to I don't want to go through with you the Excel sheet, but <laughs> yeah. this is definitely a lot of mathematics until mm -hmm. I get the energy value. So that's how mm -hmm. I measure the open flow respirometry technique. Basically, if I got it right, you're measuring the energy value by like you know subtracting the oxygen at the beginning and at the end, is it? Yes, no? yes, you you're right. You're really smart. So I actually measuring the oxygen consumption okay. rate that mm -hmm. it turn into energy. Yeah. I see, I see. Okay, that's good enough. I think that's good enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, as, as a day to day, you, you also mentioned that you speak to guests and then when, when I hear you talk about research, it seems very heavy. Do you have a hard time like juggling these two? Like what if like a guest come in in the middle of your procedure? Like how do you deal with it? Oh yeah, so that's why I need to be in the lab quite early. So uh, the operation time is from 10 to 5. It means people can walk in anytime between 10 to 5, uh, except my lunch hour. So I would need to be in the lab before 10. So uh, normally I would be there by 9. So by 9, 
I will need to start to uh, um, monitor my experiment because it's actually running 24 hours. So I need to look at the, uh, the next chamber, is the figures okay, and then I'll keep on, keep it running. So of course, there are some times that I'm doing something and people interrupt me, they just came in. Then uh, I would say sorry to them that, oh, can you give me another half an hour or you come back at this timing that I would definitely have the chance to attend to you and tell you more about C-figures because currently I'm busy. And most of the time, I meet very kind people. They were like, oh, okay, okay, no worries. You just do your things and I will just stand here and look at you. <laughs> then I was like, okay, okay, you can, you can, you can observe yes. and later on, I will tell you what I can do. Yeah, they are nice people to, to uh, so it was really difficult to, to, to take care of, uh, you know, lab and, um, I mean, total lab and also my research because, uh, you know, when you're doing education, it can be really tiring. So when I keep on talking to people, when I come back to my experiment, I will, oh my God, I don't have energy to do this anymore. So there are times like that, that I find it really difficult to, uh, to uh, you know, I, I just use up all my energy on talking to people. So what about my research? I cannot just ne neglect it. So I still need to go on. Since you're in sea turtle conservation, right? I figured that it would be a good yeah. time to talk to you because you are, you are in the industry already, right? So basically, let's talk more about sea turtles and how our habits are harming them. So how are actually our daily hab habits like harmful towards the sea turtles in, your, in Malaysia or like in the whole world? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, many times I encounter people, I actually tell them, oh, you don't see sea turtles in your life, but it doesn't mean that uh, you are not doing something impactful on them. So, for example, uh, right now, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic that we are facing right now. So, because we are, uh, we need to work from home. So, a lot of time, a lot of activities we need to do at home, including uh, ordering food online, you know, purchasing online. So, if you notice, this food and also the things that you buy and deliver to your home, it actually comes with a lot of plastic packaging. So, for example, you order a lunch. So, the food is in a plastic container and then with a pair of uh, cutlery, a spoon and fork, we got of plastic and then a beverage with plastic cup, with plastic lid, with plastic straw and everything packed in one yeah. single plastic bag. You can actually count how many uh, plastic, single-use plastic that we have created in one single meal and we did it almost uh, every single day. These are the things that we actually can affect in marine life because if we uh, dispose them properly, okay, they are then up in the dustbin and then they will go to the landfill. So if lucky enough, they will stay in the landfill. But there are some, a lot of time that actually, actually these plastic things, they actually would get their way to the uh, our river and then to our ocean. And this is just the, uh, the food, the mask that we are wearing. Right now, we need to uh, wear masks everywhere we go. So if you notice, you see a lot of masks on, on the street. I mean, not but on the street. And then this thing, actually, it will end up in the ocean too. So and many marine animals actually mistake it in, as a food, especially for sea turtles. And I think it's not something new to us. Sea turtles cannot differentiate the plastic bag and also the jellyfish. So they will eat it as a food. And, and now also uh, a, a lot of plastic break into microplastic and then the benthotic animals that eat the plastic and then the fish eat the plastic and then we eat the fish. So yeah. it's actually all back to us. So a lot of things uh, that we do in a life, uh, we, we, we should rethink where does it go at the end of the day. Sure, sure. Yeah. I agree, I agree. So what, what are some of the misconceptions about sea turtles that you frequently see with your guests or like with the general public? 
Oh, uh, one of the favorite questions from me to the guest is actually, uh, what do you think, uh, what sea turtles are? I mean, are they mammals? Are they amphibian? You know, they come to the yeah. beach and then they go back to the sea. Or they are reptiles. So a lot of people actually surprised that sea turtles, they are reptiles. So mm -hmm. reptiles, um, because they are cold-blooded, they have still on their shell, uh, sorry, they have still on their body, they have hard shell mm -hmm. and their eggs. But one really special about them is they use lung to breathe like human, like mm -hmm. all of us. So it, that's why when you go to uh, snorkel or you go dive, you see sea turtles actually will go to the water surface to, to breathe and then they will come back to the water. Yeah, so that was uh, one of the means that I want to tell people that sea turtles use yeah. lung to breathe like yeah. I did not know that to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, ne I never really thought about it. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> now I know. And besides that, what else should people know about, know about sea turtles? What would be like? What was, would you say is another inter interesting fact about sea turtles? Oh, I, I like to tell people that uh, sea turtles is actually one of the most ancient animals that we can mm -hmm. find on Earth. So they actually exist when dinosaurs exist. Oh, wow. And dinosaurs out and they're still around. So I keep on telling them that this is really ancient animal. We don't want to see this and now in museum and we don't see it in a while. So there's another fun fact that I like to share with people. So I was diving in Gili Island, right? In Indonesia. And then I actually touched a sea turtle. I was actually uh -huh. chasing them. And I know after reading a blog, I know that's wrong. So like what else <laughs> should people take note of when like diving and snorkeling? Because I really didn't know that. Nobody told me anything. So I really did it and I feel bad now. So what else should people know? Uh, uh, what should people know is uh, first of all, sea turtles are wildlife. So wildlife, why they call it as a wild animal, that's the reason because they belong to the wild and they shouldn't have interaction with human in any way. Just like a monkey that you saw on the street, you shouldn't fit them, yeah. you shouldn't have any kind of interaction, you don't smile at them, you don't chase after them. So same goes to sea turtles. When we see sea turtles, when we are diving or snorkeling, I know the first reaction is we are very excited, we shout yeah. in the water. Yeah, and we think they are very cute and we're really curious that how they feel like when we touch them. So that actually gives people the urge of touching them. And sometimes we do have some boatmen or any other parties, uh, especially who, uh, who work in the tourism industry, they want to impress their guests. They will start feeding the turtles to let them stay around with the guests. So all this thing actually is not uh, right to do so because uh, first of all, we should always keep a distance with sea turtles because we never know that uh, our presence will actually stress them out, especially when you go out diving and snorkel, you don't do this alone. You do it with a group of people. Yeah. Imagine all these people that are surrounding this uh, sea turtle and the sea turtle couldn't go anywhere. And remember I said sea turtles need to go to the water surface breathe. Mm -hmm. so, all this crowding and then uh, surrounding the sea turtle actually will stress him out. I mean, the sea turtle, it will, it will, it will stress out. And also a lot of time, um, when we feed sea turtle, we feed it with something else that maybe is not their natural food. The mm. most popular would be the sweet or fishes or, or even biscuit and, uh, biscuit and also really? some bread. So all these are not their natural food. And the thing is, we should let them to forage their own food and their natural food habitat. So whenever I see guests, I always tell them that, uh, yeah, I, I know they are really cute. So why not we give them some space and then uh, let them swim gracefully in the water. And when you take a photo, you will definitely prefer a photo that see the turtle without human. You know, swim really yeah. gracefully in the water. Yeah. 
you wouldn't want a photo with a lot of people touching the visitors. Yeah, so that's why I always tell the guests. So basically, just just leave it alone, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can definitely observe it, but keep a distance. You can see it from side when you swing. You swing together with it, but never want to touch it, hands off, and then just mm. uh, you know, keep a buoyancy and watch it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something every every resort should take note because really, I think yeah. a lot of resorts doesn't really tell their guests about all this wildlife conservation stuff. So just a mm. couple of questions before we end. Uh, so why why do you think it's important for people to involve themselves in like wildlife conservation, especially in these think, times? Yeah, yeah. I, I would really encourage people to find a way to be involved, uh, no matter to be a volunteer or do something that helps the environment because mm. this is how we actually get to understand how nature works and how close our relationship and our connection with the, uh, the wildlife and the nature. And the thing is, uh, we all share the planet. I mean, yeah. we should learn how to uh, share the resources and also try to learn how to coexist with one another. So uh, I really encourage uh, all of the people out there to, uh, you know, find time to look at the internet and see what we can help to the nature it can be really simple and as simple as not using plastic straw see how else could people like especially from the city right it's a bit hard especially now so we don't really we can't go like hiking we can't go visit all this all this sanctuary how how do you think people can help especially when they are like city based in wildlife conservation yeah uh i i do encourage you guys go outside to see but there are conditions that you couldn't afford to do it like uh, what Julian say here, uh, we all stuck at home. But there are also a lot of things that we can do. I would say uh, start from our daily life. For mm. example, um, if you want to wear a mask, uh, you know, you, you can go and support a local business by a reusable mask. You can wash it and then yeah. reuse it. And then uh, you, you, can, you, you can order food online. I know uh, there are a lot of good food out there, but maybe try to do a little bit research on the are business that uh, support sustainability. They want their food packaging in uh, sustainable material like uh, made out of sugarcane or paper bag and they don't want to use plastic straw. They are business like that because uh, people start to get awareness uh, how important it is to go green. So support those lo uh, local business because they really need our, our help to help them to make this happen. Yeah, so there are these little, little things that we can do to, to help the nature. Yeah. Okay, so that's about it. Really learned a lot about you know sea turtles and then your journey about with Open Turtle Lab. I really enjoy it. So thank you so much for joining me today, Thank you, Julian. Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond the Lab podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. So stay tuned for the next one.